What's up? You gotta pull me out of the pit of sadness. What pit? The pit of liking the Huskers, of following the Huskers, believing they could win against Iowa on rivalry week. They 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 brought me in, Nate. They had me feeling good. They had me hyped. They had me jumping up and down on the couch. After that first quarter, I don't know why you would ever be hyped. Uh, I was I was I was about ready to turn the game off if I didn't have to like basically watch the live feed from my work. No, I, I agree. What was funny, I uh, I was texting my uncle uh, prior to the game, and we were talking about the, kind of the game plan and everything. And he's like, you know, Iowa's probably going to ground and pound on us. I'm like, the Iowa of old does that. This year's Iowa, terrible rushing attack <laughs> until the first quarter against the Huskers. And he texted me, he's like, you know, there's nothing like a good old Blackshirt defense to fix an anemic Iowa run game. Yeah. We basically make every team look like geniuses. I mean, credit where credit's due. The defense is what kept us in that game. We held Iowa to zero points in the second half. It looked like we were going to climb back into it. And then there were some, can I call it mishaps? Mishaps is one word for it. Coaching errors. Coaching errors is a little bit more accurate in my book. I thought Nebraska played so well so much of the time in the second half. And then it just reared its ugly head, same as it always. We couldn't punch it in. Our offense stumbled. We made some really boneheaded mistakes. It's just the season in the micro... It's just basically the end of that game was our season in a a microcosm, pretty much. I, I feel you, Nate. I feel you. Let's break it down for our fans. This is the second string. Nate Milbach and Alex Fernando coming at you. We have all the college football news from Rivalry Week. We have your conference predictions coming up. We're going to start with the breakdown of the Huskers game. The Heroes game, Nate. The Heroes game. There's nothing heroic about that game. Oh my gosh. We nearly had some heroics. The Huskers nearly walked it off. They had the chance multiple times to walk it off. We'll get to that. But let's start with that first quarter. Iowa comes in. One of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. They were second to last in rushing in the Big Ten pregame. They hadn't had a 100-yard rusher since September against Middle Tennessee. And they walk into Lincoln, Nebraska, Memorial Stadium, against that formidable Blackshirt defense on Black Friday. Listen, Huskers fighting for a bowl game. You, you keep saying all this like the Huskers aren't a bad team and this wasn't expected. I mean, Iowa has... It's rivalry off. week, Nate. You throw the records out the window. It doesn't matter. Not for the Huskers. You look at those records. <laughs> the Huskers, their defense is not very good. It's not surprising to me that they had issues stopping the Iowa rushing attack. Our linebackers have had issues stopping almost every rushing attack. Honestly, they can't cover gaps very well. This is a problem that's been known all season, and it manifests in the Iowa game. We had, we had issues on special teams. We allowed that kickoff return for a touchback. We'll, we'll get to the kickoff return. We're still in the first quarter right now, Nate. But there's we're not ta- there's not we're much talking to about, say about the first quarter other than we gave up a bajillion yards on the We're talking about ground. freshman running back Tyler Goodson gashing the Huskers for nearly nine yards a carry, 13 carries, 116 yards, and the 55-yard touchdown on the game. And then also, Iowa comes with the somewhat of a trick play, but pretty... Fairly simple reverse play to see. Yeah, it was just it was just Caleb a double Tanner, reverse. Yeah, Caleb Tanner sitting right in the perfect spot to cover it, to set the edge, and just be like, "All right, Iowa, you can't you can't run on us. You or can't run cut, the outside. Cut cut inside and get five yards." You and know? then you look at the play, and 
Tanner's head is on a swivel. He doesn't know where he's looking. He doesn't know where he's going. And he immediately just breaks down, cuts inside, and Iowa just bounces outside. Has no issues whatsoever. This team, especially on defense in the linebacker position, they don't know what they're supposed to do, and they don't know where they're supposed to be on the field. No, they don't. And is that a coordinator problem? Is that just a seniors and juniors? I know you said Tanner, who's a true sophomore at this point. And that's you know that's a frost guy. That's somebody who's only been in the system. See, that's that's an issue that I've had with a lot of Husker fans that I've talked to in recent weeks. Is they'll come up to me and they're like, "Ah, oh, man, no, it's just personnel. It's all these Riley guys. It's like there's no athletes in here." I helped recruit those Riley guys. No, they're not all five star recruits. We're not going to get all five star recruits. Nebraska doesn't have that caliber. They're not Ohio State. There are talented players on this team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. It's not like there isn't playmaker playmaking ability with these guys. It, Frost needs to coach them. Chenander needs to coach them. He needs to get people to know what they're doing. Yeah, and so far I think that's one of the biggest takeaways we have from this postseason is that we just didn't have enough guys that were in their correct positions who knew what they were doing or it didn't come on till later in the season. I mean, you look at the offensive line, who I thought in the last three games of the season played ex- played pretty well, honestly, for the most part, especially against a couple of good teams that had really good defensive lines. But in, like, the first six or seven games, they had no idea what they were doing. And that, you know, cost us. We can look at this Iowa game and say, this, we didn't beat them. Scott Frost made mistakes and that's why we're not going bowling. Or Adrian Martinez made mistakes. But you look, you look at Colorado, you look at Purdue, you look at Indiana. Those are all games in which we very easily could have won. There's been multiple chances this season. Like, this Iowa loss is not the reason we're not going to a bowl game. No, I completely agree. Frost was outcoached again, which is becoming a recurring issue for the Huskers. But you're right, Colorado is a winnable game. Purdue and Indiana, both winnable games. Iowa, Nebraska had this one in their hands almost. You had a fourth or a four-minute drive opportunity to win the game and a two-minute drive opportunity to win the game after Iowa coughed the ball up and you're sitting at the 40-yard line. You got to make it like 30, 40 yards to give your kicker a chance to win it. How how can you not have a game plan set for that? Frost looks completely unprepared for these situations. That's what I want to move to next. Defense, they played well, and as you mentioned earlier, they kept Nebraska in the game. Without the defense playing as well as they did. I mean, they shut down Iowa after that first quarter. Iowa could not move the ball until the very last drive, yeah. which, again, caused an issue. The defense shut Iowa down, and they could not move the ball through the second and third majority of the fourth quarter. But Nebraska's offense, of course, just the anemic, run-of-the-mill issues that we've seen all season long. And do not get me started on the bubble screens, Nate. Do you want to know a stat that I that uh, they came up during the game? Yeah, throw, throw it at me. I... It got to the point where Matt Millen was complaining about bubble screens, the worst announcer of all time. And when he was like, when I'm like listening to him going, yeah, he's he's not wrong here. You know, it's a uh, it's a bad deal. No, I agree. I I hate to agree with Matt Millen, but he was right. The numbers don't add up. First of all, the when when Frost run it runs the bubble screen, he doesn't have numbers. He doesn't have as many blockers as he needs to on that side, and the. The start of the play is always off because Adrian cannot throw this pass. It's always a foot behind or a foot above. It's behind, it's to the side, it's down low, it's short, it's high. It's all over the place. This is supposed to be a quick, easy pass to get a completion and get the quarterback confidence. And also, he waits too long to throw it in the first place. 
this ball should be out of his hands within half a second of him getting the snap. It's like, you don't you shouldn't even have to you should barely even have to look at yeah. the receiver. It's just turn and, and you toss. turn and throw it straight down the line, maybe just a hair in front of you because you're trying to hit the guy in his hands while he's looking forward. But you look at it, and our receivers, the running backs, they have to turn around in all sorts of different directions. So the play's off from the get-go, and Iowa's read it almost every single time Nebraska ran it. Every other team has read it every other time Nebraska's ran it because it was ridiculous. And the issue was Frost always ran it on first down. I made a joke to you during the game, but I think second and 12-plus is, prob- is probably Frost's favorite down to be in. It, it He's in it so often. I mean... Obviously, the bubble screens. I know you have the stat about the first downs so, that were yeah. ran. In the first half, guess how many positive first down plays there were for the Huskers out of the 11 first downs run in the first half? Two, maybe? There were three. The rest were either zero gain or there were one, two, three, four, five negative yardage. Not of, a lot of our receivers are very physical on the outside, which, no. which upsets me greatly. But still... Frost has to know that he's seen that all season that it just the play calls don't work like that and he needs to figure it out but he just for some reason he just stubbornly keeps going all right this is how my offense runs let's run it 17 times a game it's bound to work the 18th time so we'll just catch him off guard it it's frustrating because you can look at stuff like that as again I think we've we've stressed all season that Frost is young he's a young coach he really is. I, he's truly shown it this season, I think. This is only his fourth year as a head coach. Yeah. He still has a lot to learn. Kirk Ferentz has been doing this since Frost was still probably playing college football. Yeah, I, I think literally. I, I think so, too. So it's not like he knows everything that he's supposed to do. It's not like he's been in all of these situations. That's fine. But some of these are just common sense situations that a general fan can understand, let alone a couple analysts like us and a couple guys who played the game. Yeah, it's just so frustrating because you see... To me, Nate, you don't put... You don't switch quarterbacks in the middle of a two-minute game-winning drive. Can we talk about the quarterback situation for a second? Yes, because I have lots and lots of grievances about the quarterback situation. I find it fascinating. I Coming into this game, I thought that McCaffrey didn't even have a game left. I thought he had burned all four of his games. When he came in, I thought, oh, wow, Frost is really going to burn McCaffrey's red shirt to try and win this game. He really wants it. Turns out McCaffrey still has his red shirt. That was his fourth game against yes, that Iowa. Was his fourth game. But they put him in, and he threw a touchdown play past one first for one, time. 39 yards, and a touchdown on the day. He That's hit, his stat line. He hit, he hit Spielman straight up on a seam route and just easy score. And I know that's not going to happen every time. That only happened because they expected him to do an option play. I mean, that's misdirection. That's a good play call by Scott yeah, Frost. Yeah, one of the few. And then you go back and everybody goes, oh, snap. This is happening we're coming back. It's 24-17. We're going to come back and win this, or we might come back and win this. And McCaffrey and, has the momentum. Twitteraholic. I'm a junkie for social media, and on social media, all I saw was just Iowa fans just being like, oh, great, we're going to lose to another McCaffrey. <laughs> this is fantastic. And I was just like, if if McCaffrey can come in and get this win, wow, what a season. What, what a Legi- move. The Scott- legend starts. Yeah, Scott Frost is going to be like looked at after this game as – Wow, you know, he really made a tough choice to put a new quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback in, but it paid off. He did the right thing. And then the next drive comes, and you looked in the huddle, and I had the live feed, so it was, like, very zoomed in on the huddle. 
because, you know, for the news stations, they obviously want all the plays they can get. And I saw Martinez in the huddle and I go, oh, are, they're they're just going to throw Martinez back out there? And they did. And he played the rest of the game. I think Luke came in for one play. That was another travesty. Luke of a co- came in for the second down play of the two minute drive to try to win the game. That's my issue. It was, a tro- what a, it was an atrocious play. And it wasted 40 seconds trying to figure out who was supposed to be on the damn field and let alone just call the play. My issue with this game, like we said, Luke McCaffrey had the momentum. He comes in, gets the big spark play. And separate of, yes, you're right, he's not going to throw a touchdown every time he touches the ball. Yeah. That's just unfathomable. But you can tell when he, Luke is in the game, the offense ticks up. The offense has more energy, there's more rhythm, and Frost runs with tempo. He has not ran with tempo with Martinez all season. And that was one of the few things I really enjoyed about Frost's play calling is when he threw the tempo in there because it threw other teams off, especially last year. And the few times you saw the tempo this year, it worked well, and then it stopped because he stopped the tempo. But Luke has the momentum. Luke is clearly the quarterback that is making this offense move faster and move in rhythm. Why are you not playing the better quarterback. Well, Frost said in the press conference that he thought Martinez was the better quarterback. That's why he played him. Martinez has not played well this season. He was not playing very well in this game, especially in the passing game, which it was tough weather conditions. I don't fault him completely for that. But you can tell even in the option game, he's still struggling to run. He he made a few quick decisions. He made a few good moves and good pitches. But overall, McCaffrey was the better runner. McCaffrey was the better player overall. And... I'm not, nothing against Martinez, but when a quarterback has the hot hand, you got to give it to that quarterback. you got to give it to that playmaker. You certainly don't insert a backup quarterback in the middle of a game-winning drive attempt and try to figure out who's supposed to be on the field and who's not. You do not switch quarterbacks in the middle of a game-winning drive. You get the it's ball so after that fumble. Frost looks at his team. He says, you're my quarterback. You're going to go win it. I don't care if it's Luke. I don't care if it's Adrian. You stick with that quarterback and you call plays for him to go win. Oh, it's just so frustrating because there's so many points where you look at it. And that play is one of them where they faffed about for 40 seconds trying to fit a With wee- three timeouts. With three timeouts. Just, with three just timeouts. Call to- there's two minutes left. You're not going to use them. Yeah. You're not going to use them. You you only need one to save for a field goal, and you can even just get down and spike it if you need to. You have the timeouts. You have plenty of time and resources to set up a full game-winning drive. There's no need to be this mismanaged and this unprepared for that situation. It's Game-winning drive against your rival in bad weather, last game of the season, Big Ten Conference. How can you not? I'm prepared for that, and I'm not even a coach. (laughs) <laughs> I'm prepared for that situation, Nate. It's uh, well, you know, going with Martinez, and I, I honestly think that the two of us have been very fair on Martinez all season. I, I truly think so. I agree. I, I honestly, I really honestly believe he's been hurt and injured all season. I really do. I don't think that, Frost has disclosed that yes, fully. Yeah. I, well, I he agree. he never does. He never discloses that. No. However. It's been clear all season whether whether it's maybe it's an injury affecting him, but Martinez has been off mentally all season. He he just doesn't his rushing stats. I was looking at a comparison between last year and this year for Martinez's stats, and while the rushing stats are very comparable from year to year, his passing has really plummeted. He's honestly he's about six seven hundred yards less this season than he is last year, 
his completion percentage is down. His touchdowns are down. He threw 18 to nine last touchdowns, interceptions last year. He threw 10 to nine this year, especially in college football. I do want to make one point. I think part of that attributes to the play calling because I don't remember this many bubble screens for Nebraska last year. Yeah, I I don't either. There were more downfield passes and still not enough in my book. I Mm -hmm. think you personally, if I were Bill Moose, I'd write a line in Frost contracts, say every time you run a negative bubble screen, you lose a million dollars or you have to fire an assistant. One of the two, like that would cut the bubble screens out immediately, but (laughs) downfield passes. This is where this team needs to go. And I know that the wide receiver talent isn't amazing, but guys don't have to be uber talented to run a slant route. Yeah. You have J.D. Spielman who can outrun anybody on both teams, send him down the field at least three times a game. Yeah. At the very minimum. They, they, at the least off, once a quarter, the even, def- just four the, times a game. The defense has to put two people on him if they have him downfield. He's, he's our most lethal threat in the passing game. I just... Also, There's some big questions coming up next season. Short question for you. Do you think Wondell Robinson should have played? Probably not. It, it did not look like he was fit for duty. And again, I just... That's a coaching decision. Yes, you want your best players out there. Yes, you want your guys to get healthy and, that, and get back. And I'm sure Wondell wanted to get back on the field. Honestly, if you're not I'm, healthy enough to play in he that probably, game, he probably that's a tough... Tough call. He probably shouldn't, but I honestly don't fault Frost. If Wandell was like, no, I want to try. I want to be out there to win this game. I don't fault Frost for being like, okay, here's a couple plays. Can you hack it out there? And then he said, nope. And then they pulled him, and he didn't play the rest of the game. I That's... I honestly I honestly do not mind that. Okay. As, you know, weird story, but I remember when I was played in high school, and I got – I was hurt myself on – I, I was hurt personally, and I was like, I was kind of half ready to go, and then I was like, Coach, I let, just throw me in there for a few plays, and I played two plays, and I, I like, listened. I looked, looked at my coach. I tapped my head. I was like, no, I, I can't go today. Sorry. <laughs> so it, it happens. I do not That's, blame the coach in that okay. scenario. One last question in this game, and, and not really a question, just the last comment I want to make. When you play for overtime, you play to lose, in my opinion. Yes and no. At times, yes, but... In this situation, when you have the momentum, you get a fumble, you have the ball at your 40, you have like 40 to 30 yards to go to get your field goal kicker in range. You have a quarterback who's played in these games and these moments. You have to be ready for the play calling. And you can't, unless it's absolutely dire, you can't switch in the middle of the drive. Not just quarterbacks, but you can't switch ideas. Or if you're going to switch ideas, grab your quarterback by the face mask and tell him to slide his butt on the ground and not run out of bounce. That's one of the biggest issues I had with the press conference afterwards. Martinez clearly did not know what he was supposed to do. Martinez thought they were still playing for the win. And Frost is like, oh, we're playing for overtime. The kid should know. It doesn't matter if he should know it. He's focused on trying to win the game and play. Call timeout. Call, if you, call if you, the if timeout you, if you and are, grab him by the face mask and say slide on the ground. When we get that penalty and it's second and 20, call a timeout because we're playing for overtime. We're not going to use those timeouts. And take Martinez and take the whole team and say, guys, it's second and 20. This ain't, this ain't going to happen. Sorry. If you get to that point, which Nebraska did, that's fine. That's when you switch horses. You're like, all right, overtime's going to be the goal. Not ideal, but this is what we're going to have to deal with now. 
You tell everybody on that offense, full communication, grab each of their face masks and scream it at them. I don't care. I know Frost doesn't like to yell at his players, but this is the time you yell at them. You say, run the ball, stay in bounds. You let everybody on that team know, I do not fault Martinez at all for running out of bounds. I blame that completely on Coach Frost. Yeah, it's not a it's not an opinion I've I've heard shared often, but I, I honestly you've made a good case. I kinda believe that. As again, like I said, Frost will have a lot of questions for your three. I'm sure we'll talk about this more in an upcoming week over what the Huskers offseason yeah. we'll, plans are. We'll do are. a full Husker season recap it'll, coming up. It'll up. be hit the recruiting trail, get some stuff. We've got some big commits and some big crystal balls today. Even when we're still bad, apparently we still out-recruit the rest of the Big Ten West. We got we got our number one receiver target today. We got our number one overall target. He's an out, four-star outside linebacker. We got a bunch of crystal balls for him today. Those so are important. So hopefully Scott Frost can get on the trail. I don't want to hear a word about personnel ever again then from the fan base or anyone else. A couple quick recaps from Rivalry Week that set up the championship games. Anything that stood out to you, Nate? No, not particularly. Ohio State dumpstered Michigan. Easy. Easy. We I, called that. I called that one. We both called Minnesota that. lost to Wisconsin. That's probably the big one. That where, was a tough one. Where was, where Minnesota, I think, I wanted the game. to row the boat, Nate. I wanted to. They looked good, and then they kind of let Wisconsin get away from them in the, in the second half, which is unfortunate. Minnesota eliminated from playoff consideration. Great season for the yeah, Gophers. Great Still season. Still going to a good bowl game. Yeah, they're game. going to a very good bowl game, and yeah. they should uh, – they should have should a chance well. to prove some, prove all the PJ Fleck haters wrong, which I think he has certainly done this season. I was definitely one of them. Bama in the Iron Bowl. Did you see the way they lost? I I had to I had to run my newscast, so I did not I did not actually see the end of the game. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. I, I, I saw it on the highlights, the doink, and then the twelve men on the, the doink, field. the twelve men on the field. Nick Saban, it was I had to be furious. I, sw- I saw the highlights of him just screaming and ripping off his thing. You yeah. don't you do not see. He is a very passionate coach. He yells. I have not yeah. seen him that bad in a long time. No. And why wouldn't it be? I think even if they would have won, they would have been out. I they did so not too. look super impressive. No, and I, I think their new ranking at 12 kind of reflects that. The committee was going to probably move Utah up anyway. Yes. And so that brings us to the conference championships. A couple of important ones, a couple of not so important ones. Big 10, Wisconsin, Ohio State, not important. We know who's going to win. Honestly, I've seen a few. Ohio State's probably going to echo the same amount. Now, I do have one rule in college football, Nate, and there are very few exceptions. Ohio State is one of my exceptions. My one rule is you never want to play a team twice. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's it's terrible. Yeah, it's you gets don't very sketchy. Play a team twice. It does not work well unless you're Ohio State. You're going to win this game. You're going to be fine. Ohio State's going to win the title this year. Just spoiler alert for who I'm picking to win the national no, title. I, but. I agree. I've been on Ohio State for quite a while this season. I thought they've been the best team in football all year long. Yeah. No. It's they should win. I would be much the same as it was. Clemson will play Virginia. Good for Virginia for getting good for that ACC. ACC, Seven different coastal division champions. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Amazing. Still going to lose by like 20 or 30 to Clemson. But what can you do? Clemson's also really good this year. Do not sleep on the Clemson Tigers. Everybody's like, oh, it's LSU, Ohio State. Those are the two battling out. Do not sleep on the Clemson Tigers. No, I will. I will definitely not. LSU and Georgia, one of the three big ones. Very interesting game. Georgia trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They lose, they're done. If Georgia wins and beats LSU, do the Tigers stay in the college football playoff? I think so. Yes, I do. I do think they will stay in. They will be four. 
Georgia will probably be three, and then it'll be LSU, Iowa State first round. I think if Georgia wins, then LSU will still make it. I think so too. I think LSU has enough proof, their schedule, their quality of wins, how they've won those games. I think they would stay in as well. Going to be an interesting game to see Joe Burrow go against that defense. It will be not impressed all year with Georgia's offense. No, but Jake Fromm LSU has defense, kind of where's that at? It's It showed up against Texas A&M, though. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I thought Kellen Mond would uh, kind of handle them a little bit better and put up some points. But, no, it, they it'll be interesting to see if the LSU defense will show up, if the Georgia offense will show up, if Georgia's defense can put a stop to LSU's offense, which is, looks incredible. The, one, the other interesting one, I don't think it's as interesting as the other two because I think the most interesting one is coming up. But the, before that, we will get to... Utah versus Oregon. Oregon is done. They're out of the playoffs. They won't get in even if they win. Pac-12 championship. And this is Utah's best chance. This is Utah's... This is the Pac-12's best chance. This is Utah's only chance to get into the playoffs. They obviously cannot lose. Yeah, obviously. But they've had such a solid season. We'll talk about the comparison in just a minute. Oregon has not played a team... Sorry, Utah has not played a team like Oregon. No, this will be the best team they've played all year. But they have an incredible defense to match up against Herbert and that offense. It'll be tough. I want to see, because this is Utah's audition. This is Utah's one chance. I think they get to be like, hey, put us in the playoffs. I honestly think in terms of schedule, in terms of conference, I think Utah and Baylor and Oklahoma, who are the other two teams competing, for this fourth playoff spot, I think they're very comparable. I think so too. And that's what you bring up the big 12 championship with Oklahoma and Baylor, the rematch from a few weeks ago. This is the most interesting game of the weekend, in my opinion, because Oklahoma wins. They have a great resume to compare. Even Okay. So let's say the scenario, Oklahoma and Utah win to start off. You assume LSU is going to be Georgia. That fourth spot is open. You have LSU, Ohio state and Clemson already in. You're looking for that fourth spot. Oklahoma and Utah both win. Who's going to the playoffs? I think it's Oklahoma. I I really do. Even though I don't think... I think they're pretty comparable, honestly, in terms of teams, in terms of team strength. I think Oklahoma probably has a few more quality wins than Utah does on its plate. They would have beat Baylor twice, who Baylor is a really solid team. They would have beaten a solid Oklahoma State team. They've beaten a solid Iowa State team. They have that nasty loss to Kansas, Kansas State, State on, on the road. Utah has their loss to USC on the road. Decent USC team. Yeah, it's a, they're both. Road wins at Washington. Um, what's another road win they have? I don't even think they have one. That's why That's why I think overall the Big 12 champion has the inside path. Unless Utah comes out and absolutely dominates Oregon. I really do think that the Big 12 championship has an inside road. I think so too, which is unique because Utah's rated five. The playoff committee put now, them there. The playoff did. The playoff committee did put them there. My biggest thing this weekend coming up with the conference championships: if Baylor wins, Baylor has to be in. You think so? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because they would have avenged their only loss of the season, so it's basically like they never lost. If they they beat Oklahoma, then they would have beaten Oklahoma. Who the team? The only team to beat them would be Oklahoma. They avenged that loss. They have a conference title. They've won every other game. That's the resume that gets in. 
Utah has a great resume as well. Again, their defense is up to snuff. They've shown that they have talent on their team. It's a well-coached team with Kyle Winningham. I think Baylor has the best shot out of all three of these teams to for sure be in the fourth spot of the playoff. I think that's they an interesting way to look that at it. Loss, and it's, in my opinion, it would be like they had not lost a game with a conference title. I don't, I don't know if it quite works like that. I, I could see the committee seeing it like that. Fortunately, or maybe unfortunately for some of the teams, I would actually, I actually think that Oregon is going to beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I think they're the better team than Utah is. They just had a really unfortunate game against Arizona State two weeks ago. And, and this, this is a Utah team that has choked before in situations like this. I don't know. I And I think Oklahoma is actually going to beat Baylor again. I really do. I, I, you I never want to play a team twice, Nate. This is where that Baylor comes into play. But Baylor dominated that game last game. They dominated. And Oklahoma still came back and still won. I know. I don't and think actually, you're not going to get a first half performance. Oklahoma might be another exception to the rule because of one player, C.D. Lamb. Who's the, he's the best receiver in the nation. Best receiver in the nation, and he did not play in that first game against Baylor. Yeah. So, lot to break down, lot to see. We're going to have a great analysis next week. Oh, I'm, with, I'm so excited to talk about who's going to be in the playoffs. And debate on why they should be there, why they should not. I'm excited to see the conference championships and see who can pull <sighs> off these victories Big, big weekend in college football coming up. I'm ready to argue about why we need an eight-teamer coming oh, next boy. week. We'll have a whole episode for that coming up to you. Thanks for listening to The Second Stream. Nate Mulwalk and Alex Fernando. Get ready for some college football. Huskers may be done, but there's still a lot left. Go Big Red. Go Big Red, baby. Go Big Red.